In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. How many of you watched the coronation yesterday? I was, you know, to hear the words when they were doing the communion part of the service and the rest of it, it's the same words we use here. And it really, I served in Scotland over there, and I was in all those cathedrals over in England. Brenda and I tromped around England one time in a very low budget, almost became street people. But we just loved the church over there. It's too bad that the uh, church over there has gone the way of the Episcopal Church in the United States in many ways, because we really are come from a very beautiful liturgy that has taken right and left turns here and there through the years, and it's sad. But the Defender of the Faith, which the monarch is called, was awarded to um, King Henry by Leo on, uh, in an, uh, October 11th, 1521. Now, there was a, he was awarded that title for a theological reason, and that is that Martin Luther had come out against the seven sacraments a bit, and one, Martin Luther, you know, when he, he put his thesis up against the door of the church, it wasn't like, this is right, you're wrong. It was like, hey, if it's in the Bible, I'll go along with it. Let's discuss this. It was more of a, he wanted to have a discussion, and the Roman Catholic Church went on the attack against him, and so uh, King Henry said, you know, Martin Luther's a bomb, basically. And uh, so the king, the uh, pope awarded him the title Defender of the Faith. So this is 1521. Spin ahead to 1540s when they're writing the new prayer book. Who does Cranmer consult the new prayer book? Martin Luther. So if you go to a Lutheran church, even today, you'll go their prayer book slash hymnal. Hmm, who stole from who? Well, we got a lot of stuff, and we do, from Martin Luther. And so the king yesterday, as defender of the faith, I think he said, defender of the faith, plural. Now, if he meant it, that defender of the faith, that we all have a path to God to whatever faith we have, then he is uh, singing the song of Bishop John Spong, who used to say, there are many paths to God. My chosen path is blah, 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 blah. Um, but if he meant it, a defender of the faith, in other words, saying, I defend your right to have your faith, I don't have a problem with that. But we believe that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to the Father but by me. Amen. And that is hard sometimes when you have a friend, let's just say, Robert today to pick on, give him due picking on time. Robert's a nice guy. Robert doesn't believe in Jesus. He's a nice guy. He's a good guy. So what happens to the Roberts of the world? We just pray that, and I know that my God is an understanding God and a loving God, but I'm not God. I just pray that God will watch over the Roberts of the world. That's how we have to handle it. We're not God. But we have to not be ashamed and walk, not walk back from Jesus is the way, the truth to God. Not be ashamed. The other thing we should not be ashamed of is our stand on pro-life. We're a pro-life church. 
very much so. And we are blessed to have in our congregation Heather. Yes. Yeah. Who, who basically wrote the rest of my sermon today. <laughs> I copied uh, her letters over that she sent. But let's take out your bulletin, if you would, for a minute. And on the back of that bulletin, I'm going to read the first one, which really doesn't have to do with it, what my comments are, but I, I like it. There is no more loving, friendly, and charming relationship communion or company than a good marriage. To be Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Martin Luther, good marriages, I mean, I, I, Brenda and I work on our marriage. I work a lot, a lot harder than go in the wind. Um, but anyway, good marriage is hard. You have to work at it. Then we go in to know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. For thou dost form my inward parts. You didst knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise thee. For thou art fearful and wonderful. Wonderful are thy works. Thou knowest me right well. My frame was not hidden from Thee, when I was being made in secret, intrinsically wrought in the depths of the earth. Billy Graham, a lot of respect for Billy Graham. I, I read his autobiography once. I couldn't put it down. It was that thick. I'm dyslexic, so it was a long read. <laughs> but that man, uh, every now and then on YouTube, you can pick up one of his sermons. He is. He, he still is dynamic. He's great. Billy Graham once said, I know it's common today to think of abortion as a simple answer to an inconvenient problem, but it's actually a far more serious issue. Your child isn't simply a mass of tissue. He or she is a human being in God's eyes. Now, what's very troubling, at least for me, is that there was a female priest who, I'm paraphrasing, who essentially said that a unborn child up until the very end, before it's ready to be delivered, you have to weigh in on whether that unborn child has a real stake in life. It's going to be contributing to life. If not, abortion is okay. You know what that, that, that sounds like? Do you remember that guy over in Germany about 70 years ago? People like me, if they knew that I had dyslexia, would not be here. That's how serious it is. And that comes from a, well, I'm going to say she was a priestess. I, I, I know the person who said it. I know of her, rather. But what an awful thing to do. And the, the really bad part about this is they actually believe what they're saying. They call it women's rights. Well, we say, what's God's rights and what's the child's rights? To be able to have the ability to abort a baby that's at full, ready to be born, 
I don't understand it, and I don't understand how a Christian can support that. I do believe women have rights. I'm not taking away from that. And I do believe that if there is to be an abortion for health reasons or something, you know, that's beyond me. But having heard a mother come to me one time, I said, want to be mother. She had a baby aborted. And she said she woke up in the nighttime hearing babies cry. That has stuck with me for years. There is nothing sadder than that. Imagine, if you will, whether you're a woman or a man, put yourself in her place. You've done this terrible thing. You did it perhaps without even understanding what you were doing. But you're paying for that for years to come. It would break my heart. I have a daughter who, um, by my first marriage, who my wife back then had uh, been near with somebody with German measles. And she wanted to have an abortion. And I, I said, no. I, I remember going out on the porch of my mother's house and just bawling. Abortion is so wrong unless there's maybe perhaps serious illness or something beyond what I've ever heard. I always like to hear people's story before I say no. I like to listen. I may hear something new that I haven't considered before. It's important. So the first Thursday in, in uh, May is National Day of Prayer. I used to observe that a little better than I did this year. Anybody go to a National Day of Prayer? You don't have to go to a breakfast. You don't have to go with other people. Just take time to pray with God. Pray with God with all your heart. This issue of abortion is something that really should stir the hearts of us all. Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Have you ever seen anybody or been with somebody who's been converted? All of a sudden they find Christ here. I've been in this several times. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a, the dearest thing when somebody comes to the Lord. When somebody says, Jesus is my Savior, you know. Sometimes we think they're a little nutty. But no. They've got light on them. They've got warmth on them. They've got Jesus in their very being. This is Heather's notes. Governor Janet Mills proposed late-term, on-demand abortion for any reason, as long as you can find a willing doctor. To make the problem easier, she also proposes to eliminate the criminal penalty for unlicensed provider. I have a former sister-in-law who at age 16 years old got impregnated. Her father was a colonel at uh, Walter Reed Hospital and had an illegal abortion done on her. She got married, never told her husband, had serious health issues throughout the years. Kept that secret. They got divorced. It's a terrible thing. 
And it, it just doesn't touch people like me. Many of you have had friends who have had abortions or thought about it. This is a big thing. My sister, Marilyn, works for Planned Parenthood over in Vermont. And we came up, Brenda and I, from Florida one time and had in the back of our license plate in the car, choose life. She came out to say goodbye and I didn't, she didn't talk to me for six months. I called her on the telephone and I asked her, I said, Marilyn, what's the, and she told me, and I said, Marilyn, let's talk about it. She does not approve of abortion for birth control. She approves of abortion for health reasons. If there's if the baby's sick, the mom is sick, whatever. And I said, Marilyn, we're not that far apart. I would always listen to this story. And I would have to make a decision for myself based upon what I heard. But I am, from everything I've heard, I'm totally pro-life except terrible sickness. So we began to be close again after that. Sometimes when you come into an issue, you come in and you just go, my point, my point, my point, my point. And you fail to listen to the other person. And in that case, both of you are losers. You need to stop and listen before you jump in. Hundreds and hundreds of people flooded the state house to protest. Staff and lawmakers explained they had never seen anything like it before. I think there are 2,200 people there, compared to 250, 300 of the uh, pro-choice. We overwhelmed them. But nonetheless, these bills, these laws, will become, they will become law. Because a certain party, I will not mention a certain party, has a majority and they have the votes. There are a handful of people in that party, I understand, who are pro-life. But not enough. Not enough. Sadly, all the efforts may not change the heart of one lawmaker or one vote, but we still need to try. It is highly partisan. Only one in that party has consistently voted pro-life. This is their testimony before the committee, and what I'll tell you is that, as I understand it, the 250 pro-choice people went first. They were given three minutes. When Heather got there, she was able to talk, and then they reduced it to two minutes. Then they reduced it to one minute. Finally, the last person, I think, talked around 6 a.m. in the morning. 12, Heather got there at 10 in the morning and was able to talk at 6 o'clock at night. This is her words. Greetings, my name is Heaven Siraki. Today, the Maine legislature will be considering the first of many bills involved in the taking of innocent unborn lives. Let's remember that, that here in Maine, after the Dobbs decision, nothing changed. Many had already put into law the provisions for abortion. Current Maine law is broad and expansive in Maine. One does not need to be a doctor to perform abortion. That sinks in. In Maine, one does not need to have an ultrasound before an abortion. That sinks in. In Maine, abortion clinics are not required to have state safety inspections. 
even if you're pro-choice, some of these things are disgusting. In Maine, taxpayers are forced to pay for abortions. In Maine, providers are not required to have admitting privileges at a local hospital in case something goes wrong. In Maine, women may access do-it-yourself mail-order abortions without ever seeing a medical provider. Those things can do strange things to your body. In Maine, there is no requirement for parental consent or notification if a teenage girl is pressured into an abortion. You know how impressionable young teenage girls are. Last night, we were having dinner with our son, Jay, who's, he says he's not 50, but he's going to be 50 next year's birthday. The fact is, he is 50 now. We had a long discussion about that last night, and I just said, you're a loser. But my, my teenage daughter there, her granddaughter there, She's, you know, she's she got a new puppy and she's all happy and what a beautiful young girl. But so impressionable. If she by accident got pregnant somehow, how easy it'd be to say, hey, let's stop telling your parents, let's just go and get this done. Tell them you're sick for a couple of days. That's what's allowed to happen. Parents don't need to really what do they know anyway? They're just parents. In Maine, there is no requirement to kill the baby before the abortion procedure. They may be dismembered and delivered alive. In Maine, there is no requirement for medical information to be provided, and there is no wait period. In Maine, more people are dying than being born. That was on the news also. In Maine, women are aborting more than five babies per day, 150 babies a month, and sadly, in comparison, 50 Mainers also die every month of overdose. I don't know if you travel here in Portland or not, but behind uh, General Jack's or whatever it is down here, it's Tent City back there. They may have porta potties, but there are needles there, tents, the partying is going on, and people are dying. I know myself, in the past year or so, three young men who have died of overdose. No, no, they are no longer. Pray for those people who have that disease. If this bill passes, <coughs> it will legalize abortion to due date. Legalize abortion to the date the baby's due. That is sick. Many weeks pass viability for any reason as long as the provider agrees to perform the procedure and the provider does not need, again, to be a doctor. In other words, if this law passes, an abortionist could perform an invasive medical procedure that involves late-term delivery and killing of a viable baby in a dirty clinic going on blindly without an explanatory ultrasound 
and get caught with no license, but could not be charged with a low-level misdemeanor. Is this just? No, it is not. We need to pray for the people on the other side of this issue, that somehow God touches them, that God lets them feel life. You know, in a polite world which we live in, if somebody says something like, I'm pro-choice, I think babies should be, you know, all this stuff here, you have a choice. Do you speak out? Or do you just say, I'm a polite person, I'm not going to get involved because it's so impolite. We as Christians need to speak out. If you are truly Christian, take hold of your faith. Do as God would have you. I refer you back to your back of your bulletin again. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is him who has made us. And we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his land. For thou didst form my inner parts. Thou didst knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise thee, for thou art fearful and wonderful. Wonderful are thy works. Thou knowest me right well. My frame was not hidden from thee when I was being made in secret, intricately wrought in the depths of the earth. Those are from the Psalms. So we go back to this priestess who made those comments I made earlier. Who believes it's right to take babies out of the womb. She reads from the same Bible we do. But some people feel as though they have editing privileges. And they just edit out what they don't want to hear. I believe everything that's in here. I wrestle like you with some of the things which I can't figure out. They seem to go against each other. But I believe it. And I preach it. And I love it. Some priests, some priests have a great Bible that's all crossed out things they find uncomfortable. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one cometh to the Father except through Jesus. Believe it and live it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.